Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. This is Paige, the co host of Giggly Squad. And I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving Olive in June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Listeners, hello and welcome to Homo Sapiens. Let me just check my phones off. Yes, it is. Always a step in the right direction. My name's Christopher Sweeney. This is Homo Sapiens Extra. It's where we read your emails. It's where we go through LGBTQ plus news. It's where we do topic of the week. Oh my God, this week it's love at first sight. I've got so much to say. We do Agony Uncling, where we solve your problems. We do Culture Club, where we hear about what you guys are cooking, what you're reading, what you're watching, what you're listening to. My favourite. Ah, and I am so excited about this. I'm going to be calling relationship expert Nedra Tawab about all things love, love at first sight and relationships and boundaries because the topic of the week this week is love at first sight. I am obsessed with Nedra and I don't use that word lightly. I follow her on Instagram. I save pretty much every single one of her posts. We talk a lot about therapy on this podcast and therapy can be expensive. Nedra's Instagram account for anyone who wants to take steps towards investigating whether therapy might work for you is a free resource for brilliant, brilliant advice on relationships. And it's very, very good. I find it really useful for LGBTQ plus stuff because I think she's brilliant. But first of all, what did you think of last week's interview with MJ Rodriguez? If you missed it, you can always listen again by downloading from your favourite podcast provider. And um, have I even told you all that I'm out of quarantine? I'm out of quarantine. I'm in my new apartment. I've got an apartment. And the thing about being in Australia is I'm a nervous Nelly, right? But there's a lot of snakes. There's a lot of bugs. I've been in the outback this week. Amazing. Like that big red dust, beautiful old country towns, driving for hours and hours and hours, no signal. It's like another planet. It is so beautiful. It's boiling hot all i'm gonna say is my plans for my transitional wardrobe you know out back i was thinking desert chic i got it all wrong listeners so there was me thinking i'd have a khaki moment with a gorgeous hat no you need to wear full length jeans even though it's like 40 something degrees you have to wear long sleeve shirts didn't have any of those my whole desert chic look has gone down the drain got to be completely reappraised I'm thinking maybe like Barbara Streisand caftan, 1970s Laurel Canyon, sort of wafting around. What do you think about that? Because that'll cover my skin loads, but I'd be cool. Oh my God, it's a caftan, isn't it? I've never directed a TV show in a caftan. I wonder if that would be good. But the reason I started this muttering ramble is 
because there's a lot of insects, a lot of wildlife, a lot of snakes in the outback. I was talking to one of the people I'm with and I said, are there snakes near us? And they were like, there are definitely a lot near us. So you have to stamp everywhere you go so that they go away. I feel like I'm being really English and all the Aussies obviously very used to all this stuff. I walked into a room, but it was this unoccupied house that we'd gone into because we were looking at it for maybe using it for filming. Walked in and I turned around and I saw the draft excluder on the floor. I thought it was a massive snake. I nearly lost my mind. It was really embarrassing. And all the Aussies thought I was silly, which they'd be right. But anyway, the reason I'm saying all of this is because I have got that thing where I can hear a big lazy insect buzzing around this room. So I'm trying to look for it because currently it's me and whatever it is, wherever it is, hosting this podcast together. You've all been writing in with beautiful, beautiful messages. Our episode with Russell T Davies just hit a nerve with you all. So if you haven't listened, please go back and listen. It's in the feed. Russell is a beautiful man. He's a wonderful man who's made the most incredible show that has just connected with all of you. It's a sin, it's called. It's about a group of young people living through the AIDS crisis. And I mean, it stayed with me in a way that those seminal films do. Proud of using the word seminal. Um, But it was also Russell's honesty about his own experiences in the interview, I think, is what really connected with people. Ruth wrote in, thank you so much for your incredibly sensitive and open interview with Russell T. Davies this week. After watching It's a Sin, I didn't think it was possible to cry anymore, but your interview made me stop in the street and sob. Thank you. Thank you for sharing your own experiences and thank you so much to Russell T. Davies for creating this. Ah, Ruth, my pleasure and thanks so much for taking the time to write in. Misty on Instagram just listened to the first episode with Russell T Davies. The story about walking past the sauna resonated deeply. A close friend of mine was one of that last generation of young boys beginning to explore their sexuality who did walk through that sauna door at that age in Sydney and died before finishing uni. Making myself a cup of tea and spending some quiet time remembering him and others. As always, thank you for the podcast. Misty, thank you so much for writing in and that is um really really sad to hear that about your friend and I have to say I really appreciate you sharing it and I'm really pleased that we were able to help in some way and we got a very lovely poetic email from Tim in Canada for whom the interview stirred some very personal memories good morning Chris well it's morning here in Nova Scotia where I've awoken far too early to get out of bed in the dark chill of this winter day so I turned on your podcast to keep me company until sunrise pulls me out from under my duvet it was a good choice your conversation with Russell T Davies was the required tonic for my pandemic flavored January doldrums in so many ways thank you for that oh Tim it's our pleasure and what you are a poet what a beautifully poetic way you have of writing As a six-year-old gay man, this current pandemic state has invoked some long-buried trauma from the early days of the HIV-AIDS epidemic. So I've been searching out other thoughts on the correlations between the two pandemics to help sort out my own notions. Amongst several themes that you spoke of that hit home, the notion of the lost generation of gay men is one I have been pondering. I concur with Russell's take on this. Russell was saying that there isn't a lost generation, in his opinion, because a lot of people did survive. Um, it was more nuanced than that. Have a listen to the episode so you get the full picture. I don't want to put words in Russell's mouth. Uh, Back to the email. Indeed, it wasn't a single generation of men and we all didn't die. But I did lose something during that time. 
when instead of coming into my own as I entered my 20s, something you guys talked about, I threw myself deeper into the closet I was about to step out of. Interesting, and the parallel with COVID and how teenagers and young people in their 20s are not getting to live their times because with COVID, a lot of people are not allowed to go out. Um, It was a means of survival I chose while living in a small town, Nova Scotia. Apparently it worked, not unlike Russell's story of passing the sauna door and you missing out on the sex party. I mean, you're, see, I said you're a poet because you said sex party. I think I said gangbang, you know, um, ever the poet me. I avoided circumstances that would have otherwise probably led my naive dick thirsty self into possible ruin. You know, there's me calling you a poet, Tim, dick thirsty. I mean, interesting though, interesting point. I've long since stepped out into a more fully actualized life, but I did feel that sting of feeling late to the game and circumstances of my environment did slow my progress. And certainly the spectre of HIV loomed over it all. So when this coronavirus started showing up in the news cycle, I paid close attention. Soon I was thinking, deadly virus spread by intimate contact? No worries, been there, done that. But I was taken aback by the unexpected surfacing of trauma I didn't realise was still lingering as I first went into the new version of the closet known as lockdown. It's been interesting times, but overall I've remained healthy. Oh, Tim, I'm pleased to hear that you've been healthy. I'm sorry to hear that it was traumatic. I totally understand that. And it really was traumatic, that first lockdown. Well, it's all been traumatic, but just thinking back to that particular time. And all that, it's a very long-winded explanation of why I was so very pleased to tune into your conversation this morning, during which I felt recognised and enjoyed several aha moments. I am grateful. Stay well, Tim. Ah, Tim. What a lovely message and I hope you're doing okay and please stay in touch, write and tell us how you're doing. I need more of those poetic messages in my life. Tons of new listeners. So hello new listeners and you've all been writing in. This message is from Ed all the way from New Zealand. Gear Aura Chris, Ed from New Zealand but originally from the UK here. I'm an on and off listener of your wonderful podcast, Homo Sapiens. I know the podcast very well, Ed. Thank you. I really enjoy the conversations about what it is to be queer, learning about your journey and listening to the alternative points of view from the super smart and accomplished guests. They really are. It's all them. It's not us. I love that you include and actively seek out the thoughts of the wider rainbow community too. All of these insights are a massive help for my own journey, whether that be reversing the shame of growing up in a straight masculine culture, pushing through my own internal homophobia, or just being a better human. Queer people's shame is an all too common narrative, one of which I'm enjoying demystifying with other like-minded people like yourselves. Oh, Ed, I love hearing that. Do you know, queer shame, LGBTQ plus shame comes up a lot in this podcast. If anyone feels like they need a refresher, hit me up. And, you know, talking about it, I have found incredibly useful it's definitely made me a happier person is all i'll say so this is just a small note of gratitude to say that i'm loving your work and please keep it up agony auntie's relatives have come a long way since my youth in the noughties it's heartwarming to think about all of the young people who have access to and can benefit from this special podcast ed what a lovely message jamie on twitter hi chris i discovered homo sapiens only a month ago and i love it where else could you find patty smith and sue perkins on the same podcast series coming out to my parents in the early 90s was fine but there was always an uneasiness about my grandmother finding out i'd even overheard both her parents and my late grandfather complaining that my parents should stop me doing a performing arts course when i was 17 as i'd end up a puff do you know what that's so funny you say that jamie because i i really wanted to be a fashion designer and the reason I didn't go into fashion design, the reason I went into film directing, because I thought it was like arty, but might make me a bit more butch or it might make it might make me a bit more straight. Isn't that crazy? And here I am 
in Australia directing. And I could be sketching dresses. And back to Jamie. Well, thanks to TV programs like Coronation Street and its various gay characters over the years, my grandmother did become a lovely, accepting lady in her 90s. Once she'd met my husband, she would give me money at Christmas that I always tried to give her back and would make me promise that I'd give half of it to him, although she often got his name wrong. Bless her. That's hysterical. My dad always used to call my current husband my ex-boyfriend's name. You know, always goes down well, doesn't it? Um, back to Jamie. She just goes to show that people can change no matter the age group. Keep up the great work on the show. Love, Jamie. Oh, Jamie, thank you so much. And here, here to that. People can change. And what a lovely story. I love you writing in. So thank you. Andrew on Instagram has been in touch. Hi, chaps. Love your body image show. It's something I've had to deal with all my life. Being a larger barrier type, I often feel uncomfortable in my own skin especially in bars, even in those bars who might claim to cater for bears when in fact they mean hairier, muscled guys. Fascinating. Isn't that true? So funny. Also, for the person that asked about their mum's new partner not liking them. Oh, so this was the agony uncle question I did with Scotty, where someone wrote in saying, my mum's got a new partner and I don't think they like me. What do I do? Uh, Andrew says, I was put in mind of the poem Desiderata, which has the line, do not distress yourself with imaginings. Asking people outright how they feel about you can be hard, but often the overthinking and catastrophizing about situations can be more harmful. Very good point about catastrophizing. It's a balance, isn't it? You know, because I think we all have a propensity to catastrophize. Um, and it is really good to sometimes ask, ask, you know, come out with it and ask. But also sometimes you are just feeling it, aren't you? You just know someone's not, you know, someone doesn't like you. And and I think being LGBTQ plus is a complication further on that. Um, oh, and then Andrew signs off with loving the show still. Well, thank God. Thank you. Well, no, thank you, Andrew. Lucy wrote in body image episode feedback. Hello, Chris. Really interesting episode today. Totally understand why it concentrated on the boys. If you think the issue is in gay male culture, and that was also your experience too. It would have been really valuable, though, if you could have said something like, Guys, your lesbian friends know how to beat this patriarchy bullshit if only you talk to them. Guys, your trans friends know all about body shame and how to do it better if only you'll listen to them. Gay male culture may have a body image problem, but LGBTQ plus culture has good supportive answers for it too. Good luck with the show. Hope you survive quarantine. Ah, oh, thanks, Lucy. And thank you for saying that. Really appreciate it. And I, you know, totally hear you there. It's... um. It's something we should always be mindful of, of like opening this up for everybody, everybody. And we are at the mercy of who replies when we put out our thing on Instagram. So please, our lesbian compadres, our trans compadres, please be writing in. Please be writing into those replies when we ask for them on socials because we want to keep the conversation really broad because it's totally, Lucy is totally right. It's, you know, gay male culture can really sometimes come to the front and I am very aware we need to be mindful of that because... We're in this together as one big family. That is just a tranche of the beautiful emails we got this week. We love so much hearing from you. Homo sapiens is a community. It is a family. We are nothing without your messages, without your emails, without your voice notes. So please email your comments, questions, all your agony uncles to hello at homosapienspodcast.com. Get in touch on Instagram at homo sapiens or on Facebook at homo sapiens podcast. I've got a bit of news for you. That's my attempt at a jingle. 
What's that from? It's MGM, isn't it? Can you tell I spend a lot of time by myself these days? Um, Biden overturns Trump transgender military ban. Oh, Biden-Harris, welcome, welcome. Where have you been all of our lives? This is from BBC. President Joe Biden has repealed Donald Trump's ban on transgender Americans joining the military. The ban was announced by Mr. Trump during his first year in office. Is all I say to that? The White House has now said that transgender service members will no longer be subject to the possibility of discharge or separation on the basis of gender identity. There were 8,980 active duty transgender troops in 2019, according to the Department of Defense data. President Biden believes that gender identity should not be a bar to military service and that America's strength is found in its diversity, the White House statement added. Transgender rights were addressed early by the Biden campaign. He is the first president to pledge his support to the community in his victory speech. In November following his win, the president-elect Biden directly addressed the trans community, tweeting that his administration will see you, listen to you, and fight not only for your safety, but also the dignity and justice you have been denied. You know, there's much to be done to help bring the world up to speed with our trans brothers and sisters and those who define us neither, but this feels like progress. It, it warms my cockles, um, to use a very English saying. Did you hear that? The buzzing's back. You know when you can't see them, but you can just hear them. And when it's like that sound, which means they're lazy. And when they're lazy, la- you know, like lazy, tired, when... I don't know, is it when they've been eating fruit and they get a bit drunk and I'm worried they'll sting you more easily because they're easier to piss off? Where is it? Okay, so it's time for Topic of the Week. We've got Valentine's Day coming up in a couple of weeks. I I think that's a really interesting time of year for LGBTQ plus people because it can be great. It can feel quite excluding. It can feel very like it caters to cis straight people. But, you know, we all can we can all celebrate it in our own way. And I think this is a place where we can talk about it for what it means for our community. So I really I want you to please write in and tell me what Valentine's Day means for you, where you do feel catered and seen and where you don't. But the question for topic of the week this week is love at first sight. Does it exist? Yes or no? And the results were... 52% of you said yes, you do believe in love at first sight. 48% of you said nine, no way, Jose. A real variety of responses. JJ Berlin said lust at first sight. A lot of people saying that. Inna, who was our voice note last week, she said she believes in lust at first sight and infatuation. Love comes later. Emily Robinson says, I do believe in love at first sight. I think you can have a spark of undeniable chemistry with someone. And that's a form of love because it's pure and natural. Basic instinct, defying logic and succumbing to the butterflies. Ah, how beautifully put. Craven says, absolutely, even in the dark room of a sex club, you can have love at first sight. Well, Armistead Maupin said that actually, didn't he? He said you can tell a bastard by their touch in a dark room. Um, never been to a dark room myself. Actually, that is not true. I have been to a dark room. I went with my friend and we held hands on the way through because um, we were scared. And then there was definitely stuff going on. I mean, what was I expecting? It's a dark room. But yeah, 
don't know. I'm an old romantic. I just want to chat, and I don't think that's what people want to do in there, is it? Tingleback says, yes, it happened to me. Saki says, Saki7, connection at first sight, the rest is hard work and commitment. I agree. Dimmy Booth says, yep, I've been happily married for 21 years. Go for it. Well, I'm going to take this question to Nedra, because I personally have, I fell in love with my husband the moment I saw him. I looked at him, it's really funny, he was standing outside a nightclub, and I turned around and I saw him. My brain said in my head, it went, it's him. It literally just went, it's him. And I fell in love with him, in my humble opinion, I fell in love with him in that moment. And I have been in love with him ever since. And it's been nine years. I think it's been nine years. He draws lines with crosses through them on the wall in the bedroom. And that's how he counts our years. don't know if I should be worried by that. Eve Karem says, no, that that is just hormones and assumptions made on a parent's presentation. There were a few hormones that night. Let me tell you, Eve. Animal Eye says, yes, I fell in love with my husband when we were first met together for 12 years now. Oh, lovely. 511 Fork says, no, the boys I fell for mostly turned out to be wazzocks. Listen, 511, you've got to kiss a lot of frogs, haven't you? Uh, let's go into a bit more detail with some lovely voice notes. Let's hear from F. I think I do believe in love at first sight. It only happened to me once. I think it was love at first sight. I could not describe it as anything else. What happened was I was invited to this cafe for an event. And as soon as I stepped into the cafe, something quite amazing happened. I saw this person and it was like all the focus just suddenly went to them like a stage light had been cast upon them all of a sudden and it was like just the two of us existed at that moment so they turned around and looked at me and smiled and I smiled back and it was like they were shining we sat at the table and started talking and it felt so comfortable and natural like we had already met like we knew each other the conversation was flowing so naturally and it was so interesting as well after that we decided to go watched the lunar eclipse um there was supposed to be a red moon in Edinburgh, so it was quite nice so we walked around the city trying to find a good spot and we ended up meeting a lot of their friends along the way as well we stayed until everyone had left and laid down on the grass looking at the stars and hugging tightly and i remember such a warm feeling so cozy i felt like i was at home but yeah we ended up dating for two years after that Oh, that's so lovely. And the thing you're describing about that spotlight and stuff, like it happens. It makes me think, you know, that's love at first sight or lust at first sight. Does it matter? It's a feeling. That instant familiarity when that happens with someone is absolutely magic. Finn. Hi, Chris. I don't believe in love at first sight. I believe in lust at first sight. And lust is, you know, when you're in a club, you're on the street, you're at a bar and you see that person and your heart's pounding and, you know, you're nervous and they're beautiful in your eyes and the charm whatever but realistically that love is quite fleeting and when you get into a relationship with that person it doesn't necessarily last very long yeah so i I think it's lust at first sight not love because you don't necessarily love that person ah thanks finn it's funny that thing about falling in love with someone on the train isn't it because we've all been there like you look across at that person and you see them and they are gorgeously attractive And I think what that moment is about is possibility. You look over and you go, this could be everything. Because it's really lovely and extremely convenient to project 
onto that person all the things you want to happen in your life and make them a version of themselves that you actually don't know. And I think what develops from that, if let's say you get together with that person on the train, I never did. Um, someone did hit on me on the on a plane once though. I, I'm going to sidebar and tell you the story. So there I am on a plane. It was four rows across in the middle. Was I being flown club? No. I was reading a script my lovely friend had written that was really good. So I was on one end of the four seats. He was on the other. This guy kept like looking over and then he went to me across two people who were in the row. He called across and went, are you a teacher? Because I was writing on the script because I was writing my thoughts for my friend. Probably didn't want my thoughts, but there you go. And this guy was very handsome, by the way. Uh, He said, are you a teacher? Because you're marking something. And like the two people in between us you know people do that thing where they kind of lean squish their head back into the seat so you can have your conversation i was like this is profoundly awkward i was like um no i'm not a teacher i'm just reading something he's like okay so what are you reading i was like oh my god here we go he then i got off the plane i was walking to the taxi with my cab driver and then the guy appeared in the car park walking towards me holding a piece of paper like up and he just walked straight at me. And I was like, oh my God, my heart was beating so fast. Because I did find him really attractive. But I was still in that weird point where I was felt a bit like I didn't... I would definitely didn't want the taxi driver to know. You know what I mean? So much shame. So bonkers. And he said, this is for you. And he handed me a card. And it said, hello, um, I just wanted to say, I think you seem great. And if you'd ever like to go for a drink, my name is dot dot dot. And, you know, isn't that crazy? I never went for a drink with him. I did text him to say thank you. I said, thanks so much for your message. Anyway, back to lust at first sight. Well, maybe that's what he had. It was probably love, wasn't it? I mean, I was I was looking pretty good, mid-twenties. Probably out of town. But, you know, you have those moments where you fall in lust at first sight and they can develop. But you're projecting onto someone all the things that you want them to be. And I think they do develop into... You know, it kind of has to. I've slightly lost the thread of what I'm saying. I must apologize. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Let's have another little voice note from John Stringer. I think it's Stringer. Apologies, John, if I'm getting the surname. There's a dot in there somewhere. So I'm just trying to make sure I get it right. Okay, here's a message from John. From my experience with um, queer folk, you're either good mates and you crack on, you have sex immediately and there's loads of passion and relationship stuff, or you're mortal enemies for no explanation. 
just my opinion, but in answer to the question, love at first sight, I think gays are far more complicated than that. Very funny. We are more complicated than that. We are deeply complex people. We all are. Everybody is. Gay, straight, fish or fowl. Did you hear that? This is like a sort of very low-level version of that film, Arachnophobia. I'm sort of being haunted. Oh, there it is. Come to puppy. Okay, hang on, she's by the window. Give me one sec. Fought it hand to hand combat. God, I feel like Indiana Jones. Back to what you were saying about love at first sight. We've got a message from Gurgley here. Sorry if I've pronounced that wrong. I think it's Gurgley. Hello, everyone. I think that whether love at first sight exists depends on your perception of love. So, for example, in Hungarian, we have two words for love. One means the like the ecstatic emotion that you feel for someone. And the other one is more to, like, describe the relationship with that person. Um, Now, in the first context, yes, I think it is possible to have an instant connection with someone, which could be referred to as love at first sight. But those who argue against love at first sight, I think they need to consider different perceptions, I think. So, for example, I personally feel that I had love for for the first sight with my boyfriend but that is not the same love that i feel for him these days uh yeah it's such an interesting it's an interesting point how love develops and grows you know we sort of forget like the fact that love does change and there's nothing wrong with that and i think the ebb and flow between them is an important thing and it's just And actually makes me think of that idea that, you know, just because when you're going out with someone, like if it changes, that doesn't mean it's failing because that first moment is never going to last forever. And that's okay. You're eventually going to get to the place where you're talking about who took out the bin last. Thank you so much for those beautiful notes. I think it's time to fold in the genius that is Nedra Tawab. She's a therapist as well as a relationship and boundaries expert. And her writing and her Instagram is just full of useful tips on how to improve your relationship with others, romantic or not. So I'm going to call her and we're going to get straight into it. Hi, how are you? I'm good. How are you? I am well. I'm excited to be here today. So is there such thing as love at first sight? Yes, you found it. So it has to be, right? (laughs) (laughs) It has to be true because it happened to you. Yeah, I, I definitely think there is connection at first sight. Mm. Um, love, maybe, but I definitely think there is an instantaneous connection. We feel that with romantic interests, we feel that with friends, mm. um, we, we just feel that sometimes. Yes, that absolutely is possible. Love, um, I believe we can have love quickly. At first sight, um, I think it's that connection that we're feeling. So some people have spoken about the idea of projection. Mm-hmm. So th- this idea of love at first sight is actually problematic because it's about you projecting your idea of what you want onto this person. It's always going to be unfulfilled because that isn't real. 
I think that all things are possible. And I think that perhaps because all things are possible, you could meet someone who maybe you are projecting, but they can fulfill those things. Mm. Um, we like to think of the worst case scenario where typically people won't be able to fulfill it, but in some cases they may be able to. Mm. That's possible too. You do lots of beautiful work with kind of relationships and how to improve them and perhaps like sort of mm-hmm. tools. And I wanted to ask you a bit about that. If there's anything specific that you encounter that you think is good advice for LGBTQ plus relationships in specifics. You know, I read a really interesting article um, at the beginning of quarantine, and it was about how people in LGBT Q plus relationships are managing the pandemic better than people in heterosexual relationships because they have more thoroughly discussed gender roles. And so that piece of things made it way more easy for them to deal with like kids at home and roles in the household and those (laughs) sorts of things. And the article was really about what we can learn <laughs> from <laughs> LGBT <laughs> couples because it's such a big piece of relationships, figuring out what your relationship will look like and not necessarily saying this is, you know, this is masculine, this is feminine, these are the roles. So I think that having those conversations, which LGBT couples already do in lots of instances. Sometimes that doesn't happen and there are some arguments about it. And when I see them in therapy, we certainly talk about this um, belief that someone is more masculine than the other person or someone is more feminine and Mm. therefore they should. But certainly the conversation is talked about more openly and that is a very healthy thing to talk about Um, the distribution of tasks, because many couples, that's a big argument. Who's going to do the dishes? Who's going to fold the clothes? Who will make the doctor's appointment? Who's buying gifts for Christmas? All of these sorts of things, although small, become really big things because you are living in a space with a person that you're sharing all of these pieces with. And especially um, now that we're in a pandemic, It is so important that we're talking about these household um, roles and duties and not basing it on gender and femininity and masculinity if it does not work for our relationships. I suppose one of the things that you have spoken about a lot is that communication is this massive thing in relationships that people don't do. And I know personally, like in my relationships, like so often I've been able to, when I've been doing well at it obviously we all fail all the time but like I've been like how much of what's going on in my head have I not communicated you know how much have I not said this is what I want or this is what I would like to happen yeah it's really hard to um, communicate our needs especially when we assume that people should just know things Mm. so because people don't have the same level of I would say common thinking, not common sense, but common thinking as us, it creates a lot of issues in relationships and we have to advocate for ourselves always. So if there is something that you want, 
it is very dangerous to assume that this other person understands that you have that need. People, mm. and not in a very selfish way, but people typically just aren't thinking about us. They aren't. And what's the way to bring that up in a relationship that is kind of the least confrontational? One is don't assume that bringing something up causes conflict. Because when we assume that, we go into it with this energy that might cause conflict. Sometimes we can just bring up stuff, just like, you know, add this to the grocery list and that same sort of energetic tone. We're all very guilty of being overly defensive if someone asks us something. There is this idea that when something is said to us, we have to defend ourselves. I got a funny question yesterday. They said, how do I defend myself without being defensive? (laughs) (laughs) And I, I, I immediately thought, well, defend is in there. So I think that is being defensive. I suppose it's just the power of apology in relationships without thinking that makes you having lost a point. Because I think that's mm-hmm. so common, isn't it? As humans, we don't always get it right. It doesn't mean that we're, you know, bad people. And one day I go from being a, the best mom ever to, mom, I can't believe you did that. So, you know, we have multiple feelings <laughs> about people throughout the day it doesn't Mm. mean that we don't love them and are there any other elements of relationships that you think are areas that come up a lot that you like to share about oh I know a big one not trying to change people there are some things that we can change or shift just a smidget by mentioning to them um, hey, can you do this instead of that? But when we have these these character flaws we don't like about people, these big personality deficits, those are things that we cannot change. Um, if you have a partner that is chronically late, I just don't know how you can make this person be prompt. What you can do is change the way that you interact with their lateness. So maybe you can drive separately. Maybe you can remind them earlier. Maybe you can, you know, like what can you do on your end, but you can't make them like hurry and and get to be this timely person. They can do it for themselves if they wake up one day and say, hey, I want to change my character and I want to start being on time to everything, but you can't make them do it. But what we do is we try to tell people over and over, you're always late, you're always late, you're always late, you're always late. And it really frustrates us. Mm. Instead of just accepting this person is always late and I can't (laughs) do anything about it. Because some people are. Again, they're not bad people. It's just we're all different. (laughs) It's fascinating, isn't it? Because it's like, you got to love people for who they are and accept mm-hmm. they're not perfect, but mm-hmm. also share, you know, on the other hand, we're also saying, you know, share when you feel a certain way about the, I suppose it's about measuring which one is appropriate at which time. Me and my sister, like, we don't really travel to places together because she's always really late. So I just go, hey, I'm just going to go my route, you go your route. And that's mm-hmm. not a failure. It's actually, mm-hmm. how does this work best for us? You're embracing who she is. Yeah, I mean, it took us 38 years to get there, but yeah. <laughs> well, hey, sometimes it takes a while, but you're embracing who she is. But I think lots of times we will try to fight with that person to be like us. And that creates a lot of tension in relationships when we're trying to encourage someone to be like us as if we're right. 
if, if people are on a different schedule program, they have a different personality, how do we embrace who they are without losing our minds trying to change them? Yeah. Very quickly, I just wanted to, uh, I want to ask you about your book, but I also want to ask, it's sort of something we're slightly skirting around in relationships is that people don't talk about stuff and they don't talk about problems until they've got bigger. Why do you think that is? Are there some tools to try and help that? One tool is talking about problems when they're small Mm -hmm. and not allowing them to reoccur and build. I encourage being petty. You know, some people are like, don't be petty. Don't bring up everything. Please bring up everything. If there is one time where the dishwasher is not loaded, say something. So you're not saying something when it's the 20th time. And by the 20th time, you feel like the hawk. And you're like, I'm tired of this. It's like, whoa. (laughs) Like, where is this energy coming from? It's because it's the 20th time. But I wonder how it would have felt the first time. You know, if we just mention things where they, when, when we have an issue with them, when they're very small, it makes things a lot better. And just not allowing those things to kind of pile up and deal. And now we got a whole, you know, spreadsheet of offenses and dates and all of this stuff. Talk about it when things are really small. How do you know it's an issue? Because it bothers you. It's something you think about or you, you're like, huh, I wouldn't have did that. Those are things that you need to talk about in your relationship. If you've let something go on for for far too long and you know maybe you're listening to this and you're like, "Oh my gosh, I need to say something." It's okay to do that too. Don't make a whole meeting out of it. Just say it, just spit it out. You do have the right words. Sometimes people are like, "I don't know what to say." And then they say the exact thing they're supposed to say, so they don't <laughs> they'll say something like I don't know what to say. My boyfriend is really getting on my nerves because he's always bringing up my ex. That's what you say right there. <laughs> <laughs> so say that. Hey, yeah. a lot of the fear is perception. What will they think? How will things turn out once I say this thing? Is it going to ruin us? And really what ruins relationships is not talking about stuff. You'll be surprised how many couples don't even talk about sex before they start having it. Oh, yeah. Then people will say, oh, my gosh, the sex was horrible. Did you all talk about, like, your preferences? (laughs) And this is, you know, so pertinent to LGBTQ plus people because you've got so many, you know, for a lot of gay women talk about the fact that there is a top and a bottom role in in with women gay women as much as there are with gay men and there's a lot of shame around it people won't talk about it it's really a constant issue that is really hard to have at the front end of a of a relationship actually yeah so for my lgbt clients one of the things we talk about is when to bring up sexuality in a relationship and it not be hey i want to have sex but just what are your sexual preferences and posing it as I am asking for compatibility reasons, not Mm. for, hey, let's hook up today. But this is a compatibility question, just like um, where do you live? Because maybe if you live in Australia, we can't date. So these are important things to know if you are a top or about like these are important things to know in a dating situation, not because we need to have sex today, but because we need to see if we're compatible. Mm, so true now 
you're reminding me slightly of the word boundaries and so that's going to make me segue to your book um so boundaries is quite a sort of therapy word that can mystify people but enter stage left nedra who has gone and created a book that will demystify and i'm going to say change your life tell us a bit about it yes so this book is the book that i wish i had to describe what boundaries are because it is this huge concept and often we don't even know where to begin. Mm. And so this book walks you through so many stages of boundaries. So one, what is a boundary? Why do we struggle with them? And my favorite part about the book is I give language on what to say in several areas. So in romantic relationships, with family, friends, work, all of these things, like what do you say and what do you do? Because even if I say a boundary is a way to communicate what you need in a healthy way, right? People are still like, what is that? And so (laughs) it really helps to have a plethora of examples in so many areas of your life. So you'll know like, okay, this is a boundary thing. It, it, and it's so specifically relevant to the LGBTQ plus community because LGBTQ plus people are often baked in to be people pleasers because they feel on the back foot already. There's lots of other subsections of society who also have the same thing. But it just learning about that, it's really interesting once you are pointed out the idea how often people cross them. It's fascinating. So everybody, you have to go and get Nedra's book. And thank you for writing it because it really is, it's a life-changing concept once you understand it, particularly for LGBTQ plus people. Mm. Nedra, can I ask you, because you are very well placed, given you've just written a book, to answer this agony uncle question. We get uh, our listeners write in with their agony uncle questions, which I think, I'm not quite sure what they call that in the US. You know, when someone writes in with a problem. Maybe we call it Writing in with a problem. No, no, no. (laughs) (laughs) You did say, just say it, didn't you? (laughs) Now, this is a very short question. Mm -hmm. And it just says, how do I start a book that is within me? You know, what's, what's really interesting always with doing something for ourselves, it's like we have to find the capacity to do it. But if our job was to write a book, for someone else, we would be able to do it. So weird, so, isn't it? So I, I like to think of creating this as a job for yourself. And just like you would for any other job, really giving yourself a timeline, goals, and placing time constraints on when you do it. Mm. And not just saying, I need to write a book. There's a book in me. Okay, actually sit down as if this is your job. Yeah, you know, I I think one thing I do uh, when I do like my personal projects alongside my, well, this is one of them. But, um, you know, when I do personal projects, which just involve me like writing, Mm -hmm. um, what I do is two things, which I think are useful for this person. One is put it in your calendar as an actual event of four hours of writing in the afternoon because often you don't put those personal projects in your calendar. You know what I mean? You sort of think it's something, some gap is going to appear somewhere Mm -hmm. where you'll do it. So put it in as time and also do another thing, which is sit down and budget how much time you need to take and how much work you need to do elsewhere in order to cover the cost of you doing that. You know, so if it's going to take you a day a week, can you get some extra hours in your job or whatever to try and cover that time? You know, 
deal with it as a true and real project like you're saying i think that enables you to make it real because often these personal projects you do them in your spare time but everybody works so hard you're tired when it's your spare time you know so try and find a financial way that you can incorporate into your data into your work life as well can be really helpful I agree. You have to schedule it like it's a real thing and Mm. not just have it as a dream, a life goal. But this is something that you can do today and it just takes you putting the time towards it. Yeah. James Clear is a writer who has written something about just start today. It's, it's, Mm -hmm. you know, if you look at his book, uh, Atomic. Atomic Habits. Atomic Habits. I love that book. It's so Isn't good. Isn't it great? I mentioned that book in my book. You better buy Nedra's first, everybody, there, okay? <laughs> He's been number one already. Let's get Nedra to the top. Thank you so much for taking the time. You're welcome. It was such a pleasure. I feel like I wanted to pause her so I could write down what she's saying. I adore her. I adore her. I adore her. She's just my favorite. Follow her, everybody. She's at Nedra Tawab, T-A-W-W-A-B on Instagram. And get her book as well, which is coming out in a few weeks. Set Boundaries, Find Peace, A Guide to Reclaiming Yourself is the title of her book. It's expected to be out on the 16th of March, 2021. That leaves me with just enough time to talk about Culture Club. What have you been watching? What have you been listening to? So film and TV. There's been so many shout outs this week for Soul. Brilliant new Pixar film. So let's all have a look at that. Exchange notes. And The Great Pottery Throwdown. You've all been watching It's a Sin as well. It would be remiss not to point out. So I'm pleased to see that. Grundy's been watching Lupin. F. Francina has been watching Pose and Terror in Residence. Don't know that. George has been watching Tiny Pretty Things on Netflix. 10 out of 10 and LGBTQ plus representation. Hello. Oh, EH5113 has been watching The Prom. And that's a very exciting show, actually. Ekop has been watching Star Trek Discovery. It's great sci-fi drama and it's full of LGBTQ plus characters. Love it. We were talking to MJ about that, weren't we? MJ Rodriguez last week about um, sort of sci-fi and LGBTQ plus allegories. Interesting. There's lots of good characters now. So do you know what I've been watching? I've been watching Married at First Sight Australia. It's so funny how they put this dramatic music under every single minute, but I am hooked. Go and watch it. You will not be disappointed. Andrew Pryor fabulously has been watching The Undoing. Um, Been watching Night Stalker, but not a fan. And shamefully been watching Real Housewives. No shame here on Homo Sapiens, Andrew. You watch Real Housewives till till your what's its content. How do you see that? What is that saying? Why have I forgotten? listening to you've been listening to a bit of abba sos Woo! and sister sledge lost in music hello m stevens has been listening to sly and the family stone we're having a bit of a retro moment here cindy hess has been listening to years and years ollie from years and years is in it's a sin so there they are crossing over oh my god jack lopez has been listening to max richter voices i write to that music it is beautiful max richter so soothing Danny Loveross has been listening to The Men That Will Not Be Blamed for Nothing. Steampunk music. Oh, sorry, that's my air conditioning remote control. Never far from me, let me tell you. I haven't been doing a lot of cooking. I've been doing lots of salads. The food here in Australia is so good. So they do amazing vegan food here. Jojo has been making cauliflower cheese with cabbage. I love that idea. I want to try this. Please, will you send us your recipe, Jojo? Um, Beth's making marmalade. That's a great idea if anyone's in lockdown because now we've got some time on their hands. 
Fable Wesson, Sam, says, been making special brownies. Sam, I think I know what you're getting at. Jim Jong-il has been making fish tacos. Yum. Efrasina has been making vegan cheesy broccoli hash brown bake. Oh my God. Yum. Recipe by the Minimalist Baker. Please send that in. And Cindy has been making bread using spent grain of my home brew. Oh my God. So beer and bread. I mean, that's a dinner in my book. Should we have a talk about it? Should we talk about next week? We've got Adam Kay on the podcast. Adam Kay wrote an incredible book called This Is Going To Hurt, which was the secret diaries of a junior doctor in the NHS in the UK. The humour, but truthfulness of his book went like wildfire across the UK, across the world, sorry. He outsold Michelle Obama with his book. It was the most truthful, funny, poignant thing I've read for many years. He's coming to chat about all sorts of stuff about him and his life. Done unbelievable stuff with activism. Has really affected proper change within uh, mental health support for NHS workers who right now, it couldn't be a more pertinent time to talk to Adam to talk about the hardship of being on the front line, which are beautiful nhs workers are doing day in day out um we also talk a lot about being lgbtq plus in medicine how medicine can cater to lgbtq plus people and the specificities of what that means plus hilarious stories from adam hilarious story about his grandmother oh my god i cannot wait for you to hear that so tune in for that next week in the meantime please email us your comments your questions your agony uncles to hello at homo sapiens podcast.com Get in touch and stay connected on Instagram, which is at Homo Sapiens, at Homo Sapiens Podcast on Facebook. And if you want to get a t-shirt or a sweater, it's everpress.com forward slash Homo Sapiens, I think. God, I've only said that 400 times. Go there, get yourself some threads. Please send in your photos of you wearing the t-shirt. I love it when you send them in. We'll share them on socials. Well, listen, listeners from me and the bee who has now been released into freedom, It's been emotional. It's been an absolute delight. To be honest, it's been love at first sight for me and you wonderful listeners. It always has been. I cannot thank you enough for contributing to the show and telling us all your wonderful thoughts and making it what it is. I love hearing from you. It's been lovely chatting to you. Um, I'm going to a birthday party now. I've been invited. I've made a a friend. I'm going to a birthday party now outdoors in beautiful Adelaide sunshine. So I'll be reporting back on that. In the meantime, loads of love to you all and goodbye. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Power. 
powered by Spirit Studios.